Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings at Walt Disney World. I'm Carrie Hayward, and each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, I am speaking with Rachel Johnson about her wedding pavilion ceremony, Italy Asola Cocktail Hour, and reception at American Adventure Rotunda, all during the time of COVID. I thought you guys would be interested to hear how this affected planning for her and how it affected her wedding and how it all turned out. So welcome, Rachel. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Can we start at the very beginning and talk about how you and your fiance decided you wanted to be married at Disney? Yeah, so I have been Disney obsessed. My whole family is Disney obsessed. So it was kind of always in the cards for me to have a Disney wedding, regardless of who my fiance was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think my fiance knew pretty quick (laughs) that if we were going to get married, it was going to be at Disney. That's great. Okay. And then how did your friends and family react when they found out that's where the wedding was going to be? So my family knew forever that I was going to get married at Disney. So they weren't too surprised. And I think our friends knew as well, our college friends. Ian's family was definitely a bit more surprised. They knew I was Disney obsessed, but I think they expected maybe a more traditional wedding up front. But we kind of After the wedding, we showed them that, oh, you know, this was actually a very, maybe I'd say traditional type wedding. It wasn't, you know, overrun by characters or anything like that, that when you say Disney, that's what people expect. Right. Yeah. They always think it's going to be like a kid's birthday party or something. Yeah. They're like, oh, is Mickey going to officiate? And you're like, no, no, he's not. (laughs) I wish I had a dollar for every time I had heard that one. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So how many guests did you invite and how many were able to make the trip? So we actually invited over 100 guests. And because of COVID, we only had 30 guests. Before COVID, I mean, we had been planning this for a year. So before COVID really happened, we were expecting maybe around 70, 75. And that was how many people said they would come. But because of COVID, we had you know, some older people that we invited that didn't feel comfortable traveling. And then we also had a fair amount of international guests, too. So they also weren't able to get over to the U.S. in the first place. That's too bad. Now, did you have any kind of situation where you actually had to turn guests away because Disney has reduced the capacities of the venues? No, what we actually did was (laughs) we split up our venues So initially, we were going to have our full reception. We're going to have the cocktail hour in Italy, and then we were going to have four hours of the reception in the rotunda. And they initially said, well, four hours means you only get 20-some guests, including the couple. And we were like, oh, well, that's not going to work. You know, we're at least going to have 30. And we had a couple of people drop out last minute. And we're like, okay, so what can we change? And so we decided to do uh, dinner outside of Italy for two hours. And then we did the rotunda for cake and dancing for two hours. So we split it up. And that way we could have, 
I think with two hours in the rotunda, actually, I think we ended up having three hours in the rotunda, but I think we were able to have close to 40 guests. So we didn't have to turn anyone away. We just changed our venues a little bit. That's a great idea. How did it work, though? Because there's a pretty high food and beverage minimum at the rotunda. Did you have to meet that and Italy? We had to meet the rotundas. I don't want to get anyone's hopes up, but our planner kind of skated over the eating in Italy and we just kind of used the rotundas minimums so we didn't have to meet both and I don't want to like give anyone's hopes that you know they'll go in and be like oh well I heard this bride got to do that but yeah that's (laughs) that's what happened for us but don't expect it I would say (laughs) right and they are having to make a lot of exceptions for couples right now because of all the COVID restrictions so that's not too surprising Yeah, especially like, you know, the initial, you have to have 75 guests to get in the rotunda in the first place. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, great. So we're going to talk about that a little more in a second, but I want to back up really quickly and find out, did you guys bother with a room block for your guests? Yeah, we actually did. (laughs) That being said, we didn't really use it for the rates because Disney ended up coming out with, I think it was... 45% off or 40% off for annual pass holders and then 35% off for everyone else. So we actually told our guests, please book through Disney's discount and then give us your reservation number. And then we gave the reservation number to our room block coordinator. So we were able to meet the minimum nights there, but everyone still booked the resorts that were in our room block. Oh, interesting. Which resorts did you choose? So we wanted to do one within each tier. So we chose the Grand Floridian because of the wedding pavilion. So that's where essentially my whole family stayed and Ian's parents. And then we did Port Orleans French Quarter. And that was initially. (laughs) So they actually switched it to the Caribbean because Port Orleans French Quarter was not open by then. I actually, I don't think they're open now either. But uh, we had one family friend that stayed there. And then we chose Pop Century for the cheapest option. And we liked Pop Century. Ian and I had stayed there a couple of years ago, and that was even before they upgraded it. And it was still nice. And that's where most of our college friends stayed. Got it. Okay. Now, initially, how did you choose your day of the week and time of day? We actually wanted February 9th. Our anniversary is September 9th. That was our dating anniversary. And so we're like, oh, it'd be funny. Like almost half a year later, you know, would be our wedding anniversary. But the American Adventure Rotunda was being used for a corporate event, which I'm sure it didn't actually get used anymore um, because of COVID. (laughs) But then we changed it to the 8th, which was a Monday. And that actually worked out better than a Tuesday just because of school and, you know, work and all that kind of stuff. And then our entire timeline and like time of day, that was all based off of the rotunda. So like we couldn't have, I guess we could have done a morning ceremony, but I didn't really want to have everyone kind of just lay around for half the day. I didn't want my makeup to get messed up through (laughs) half the day. (laughs) Okay, great. So then initially, how did you choose Wedding Pavilion for the ceremony and American Adventure for the reception? The wedding pavilion, I think, was always going to be my ceremony venue. Um, I had picked it out before I even met Ian. I liked it because it was traditional wedding with a hint of Disney, which ended up kind of being our theme, where if you look in the wedding pavilion, you wouldn't necessarily think it's in Disney until you look at like the tiny little 
decor that they have, like the carriage in one of the windows. And then they also have like, you can see the castle from it. And I thought that was kind of a perfect place of more traditional. Maybe it looks like a church, but it's not, but also still in Disney and you can see the castle. So I always knew I wanted to get married (laughs) in the uh, wedding pavilion. And then for the rotunda, we were just flipping through just all of the places that we could have our reception. And we just loved it because of mostly those huge columns that they have in the center. It just, it looked kind of old timey, but it was so pretty and we just loved it so much that we're like, all right, this is the place. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. It really does have a lot of character. Oh yeah. Now, since your venues were the Wedding Pavilion and also then two in-park venues, you couldn't use a ton of outside vendors. Did you use any outside vendors? Outside vendors was mostly just personal floral. So I used, it's called the Flower Pot, and it's from a local florist at my hometown. And they did all of the personal flowers for the guys' boutonnieres for my bouquet, for the bridesmaids' bouquets, for the flower girl baskets, and it was all silk, so we were able to bring that down. I just didn't like the idea of spending money, I guess, on live flowers that were going to die in a day. (laughs) (laughs) I also used outside photography and videography, so I used Jess Collins for photography, and then I used Randy Chapman for videography. And with that, we also live streamed our ceremony, and that was with David Rennie. And that was really awesome because most of our guests weren't able to come in person, but they were able to be there through the ceremony live streaming. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay, great. Now, I know that Randy Chapman does video. Uh, Trinity, who did your live stream, they also do videography. How did you decide who was going to do what? We had signed on with Jess and Randy, I think like probably a good year out, maybe 10 months out. And then about a month before the wedding, I was like, you know what, because of COVID, we'd really like someone to live stream. So I initially asked Randy and he thought he had someone that could help, but that ended up falling through. So I asked him if it was okay if we reached out to Trinity, because I saw that they had a live streaming option and he was completely okay with that. So then we booked David for just the live stream. That's wonderful. So for the reception, did you add any kind of entertainment, either at Italy or in American Adventure? The only entertainment we had was in American Adventure, and that was a DJ. We initially wanted the uninvited guests, but they hadn't been back from furlough, so we weren't able to get them. I see. And then at Italy, since they didn't have fireworks or anything, I know a lot of people are kind of worried about that. You know, I have this dessert party booked and there aren't going to be fireworks. What was that like to have your dinner outside with, I guess they had ambient music though, right? Yeah, I think so. It was actually during park hours, I think. So (laughs) our outside eating at Italy was supposed to be an hour and 45 minutes. Um, We ended up only having 45 minutes because of temperature check and issues beforehand. So it just went really fast. So I don't think the guests, like our guests, would have had time to do anything else. But we did have a Soren mix in. So that kind of broke up. We did eating in Italy. Then we did the Soren mix in. And anyone who didn't want to ride Soren got to stay back and stay in Italy, keep eating, drinking, whatever. Um, And then we all went into the rotunda for cake and dancing. Oh, that's great. So do you have any menu items or cake flavors you can recommend? 
Oh boy. So food was really important to us. So we used food from around Disney. So my favorite places, everything we had was amazing. So we ended up having a Mickey pretzels, cheeseburger spring rolls from Le Cellier. We got the Canadian cheddar cheese soup. And then we had charred octopus from Tiffin's. And I will say with the charred octopus, Tiffin's version was better. <laughs> it was still good, but definitely it was better at Tiffin's. Then for salads, we had the strawberry and freezy salad and we had the cob salad from Brown Derby. Then for sides, we had mushroom leek and truffle oil bread pudding, which was delicious. Then we had the Gobi Manchurian that was also from Tiffin's. That's kind of a fried cauliflower dish. And then we had the wild mushroom risotto with Asiago and Romano cheeses. All of those sides were so good. And then I love mac and cheese. So we had the gourmet mac and cheese action station. Delicious. Uh, very much so recommend. And then uh, for our entrees, we had the Yak and Yeti sweet and sour chicken, which I think was better than Yak and Yeti's version. It was so good. <laughs> and then we had chicken schnitzel and spetzel from the beer garden. Then we had the braised boneless beef short ribs with a bourbon demi-glaze. And then lastly, we had Ronto wraps from Ronto Roasters. And I will say again, the Ronto wraps in Hollywood Studios is better than what we got at the uh, wedding. It was very inspired by, and it was good. It just wasn't as good as the original, in my opinion. <laughs> this is good to know because, yeah, when you have a different kitchen making the food, sometimes it doesn't turn out quite the same. Yeah, definitely. And so we were allowed to have a menu tasting when we went down for a visit in October last year. And I know not many brides have been able to do that. And that's just because we had booked our menu tasting before COVID hit. So I think they were trying to keep the reservation of having one. So we were able to have one. And so I was able to try things like the Yak and Yeti sweet and sour chicken and a couple of the like regular menu items. And I think we also got to try the cheese soup from La Cellier, but we didn't try like the Ronto roasters or anything like that. So if I would have probably would have chosen maybe not to get it. I don't know. <laughs> huh, that's interesting. Was there anything that you decided not to get from the tasting or that you added because of the tasting? The tasting was weird where we could only add three outside dishes and then the rest we had to choose from their menu. So everything that I mentioned in what we had that wasn't, I guess, from somewhere in Disney, that was actually from our tasting that we loved. So like the bread pudding, the wild mushroom risotto, the braised boneless beef short rib, those were all from the tasting that we really liked. And then everything that we tried that was outside of their tasting menu so like the yak nitty sweet and sour chicken the ones that i chose those we all had to because they're great <laughs> <laughs> and then do you recommend any of your cake flavors oh yeah so we had the i think a lot of people get it but it's the marble cake with cookies and cream filling we had that for our third and first layer and then for our second tier 
We had almond cake with tropical mousse filling. And I know it sounds really weird, but that just blew our socks off. It was so good. And we had wished that we used that for our top tier because we ended up taking our top tier on our honeymoon. So we ate it during the week there. And we were like, man, we really wish that we would have done the almond cake with tropical mousse filling. It was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, these are great recommendations. Now, did you guys have any other events scheduled around your wedding, like a welcome party or a farewell breakfast or anything? So we were initially planning on doing a welcome party, and that was going to be hosted by Ian's parents at the California Grill. But because of COVID and with having a lot less people, we were like, ah, this probably isn't an expense that we need to spend. So we ended up not doing that. We did have Sunday before the wedding, most, I think all of my family and then Ian's sister, we all went into Magic Kingdom. It was nothing really like planned, but it was a lot of fun to be able to kind of see my extended family and hang out with Ian's sister before the wedding. Oh, that's great. So can you give my listeners a timeline of how your day all fit together? Yeah. Okay. So I started hair at 7.30 in the morning on Monday. And that was because I wanted really curly hair and my hair doesn't take to a curling wand. So we did pin curls, which was fun. Um, But so from 7.30 to 2 was hair and makeup. And that was for me and five other people. So that was my mom, Ian's mom. We had one of our junior bridesmaids, Ian's sister, And, oh, actually, both of our junior bridesmaids. (laughs) So uh, everyone got hair and makeup. And then at 1 o'clock was when the guys started to get ready. And then at 2.30, that was when everyone was supposed to be at the wedding pavilion, and I had a first look with Ian. And then after that, I had a first look with my dad. And then we did a whole bunch of bridal party and family shots at the wedding pavilion And then at 3.30, I headed to the lobby with my mom and my dad, and we took some pictures uh, at the staircase of the Grand Floridian lobby, just because I had always wanted to do that. And then at 4, Cinderella's coach arrived at the lobby. And so my parents and I, we were all brought from the Grand Floridian lobby to the wedding pavilion. And then from there at around 4.15, we were able to get a bunch of pictures with the coach. So that was with Ian and I, that was with the flower girls and I. And then at 4.30 was pickup time for all of our guests. And our ceremony was at five. We were aiming for a 4.45 start just because the earlier, the better. Um, But I think we started around maybe, I don't know, somewhere in between 4.45 and five. Then around 5.15, our ceremony ended, and they had to go and bustle me. We had some issues with that. Um, So then around, I'd say, maybe 5.30, Ian and I, we did our staged exit, and then we got into the carriage, and we did a lap around kind of the fountain while everyone got on buses. And then I think we arrived at the International Gateway around 6 for temperature and security, I got to stay on the bus because I had my temperature checked at the wedding pavilion. That took a lot longer. So we didn't get to Italy for dinner until around seven. And then at eight, we had to leave for the Soren mix-in. And then from 8.45 to 11.45, we had toast, cake, and dancing in the rotunda. 
I want to take a quick break and let you know about this episode's sponsor. I am very excited to be partnering with the heritage brand Lennox, whose products have been appearing on wedding gift registries basically since the invention of the wedding registry. Not only do they offer classic china, but they also now have casual dinnerware, serving accessories, and of course, Disney-themed Christmas ornaments. I think a lot of couples today feel like they don't need to register for housewares because they've already set up their home, but your wedding guests want to give you gifts, and they want to give you gifts that you want. And a registry is a service to them and a great opportunity for you to upgrade what you have or augment it with things that you might not buy for yourself. And then every time you use the items that your guests get you, you will think of the people who gave them to you. So I am a big proponent of using fancy china every day, especially now when we are all cooking and eating at home so much. But Lennox also has a lot of casual dinnerware that's really versatile. So they sent me this cool dessert set and tray in a mix and match pattern called Blue Bay. And when Patrick saw it, he got very excited about planning an at-home dessert party where we make the treats from our wedding in Epcot and then we eat them from the Blue Bay China while we listen to the Illumination soundtrack. But Patrick was even more excited when he saw that they included the Minnie's Dream Wedding Christmas Ornament, which you have probably seen. It's Mickey and Minnie, and Minnie is holding out her hand, and she has a 24-karat gold ring on it. We buy a Christmas ornament on every Disney trip and write the year on it, and I think it's a tradition that many Disney fans enjoy. So I feel like this ornament would be really meaningful for the year that you got married. And you don't even have to go all the way to Disney to get it. All of Lennox's Disney ornaments, the Blue Bay dessert set, and tons of other great picks for your wedding registry are available online at lennox.com. And Disney Wedding Podcast listeners can get 20% off their entire order by using the code DISNEYWEDDINGPODCAST in all caps. And now, on with the show! So can you talk a little bit about the COVID policies at the time of your event, like when you were allowed to take off your mask and who had to be far apart and how did that work? And Yeah, so pictures, I'll start at the pictures before our ceremony. Essentially, the way it worked was we would wear our masks until we hit kind of where our places were and then we could take them off for the pictures. That being said, we kind of had to be grouped. So Ian and I could stand next to each other, but then my parents would stand, and this was, we all took pictures back at picture point behind the wedding pavilion. So Ian and I were able to stand up on the really nice stairs and then kind of down below where our parents spaced out, that sort of thing. So it was definitely interesting. It was a lot of, all right, shove it on. All right, take it off. All right, shove it on. Um, (laughs) But for the entire first look, both with my dad and with Ian, we didn't have to wear masks at all. And that was like walking up to Ian. And then during the whole thing, we didn't have to wear any masks, which was nice. In the ceremony, so when Ian walked down the aisle with his parents, they didn't have to wear masks. He Once he seated his parents, they had to put masks on. All of our wedding party had to wear masks down the aisle. But then... I didn't with my parents. I had both my parents walk me down. They didn't have to wear masks with me down the aisle. And then throughout the entire wedding, Ian and I didn't have to wear masks at all. Once we left the wedding pavilion, they said right away, as soon as you leave the building, you have to put that mask on. So we did that. And then 
let's see, the staged exit, we had to wear our masks. And then I think once we got into the carriage, we could take our masks off for the carriage ride. And then for pictures around the carriage, we were allowed to take our masks off. And then at the reception, essentially we had, when we were eating, I mean, we wore masks to get food, like all that kind of stuff. You were able to take it off once you're at your table. And then Soren, you have to wear masks the entire time. Not that there's any pictures on that anyway, so it didn't really matter. And then in the rotunda, our wedding party had to wear masks when they were getting announced, but we didn't. So Ian and I didn't have to. And then our first dance, we also didn't have to wear masks. And then we had a parent's dance where Ian danced with his mom and I danced with my dad. Uh, The four of us didn't have to wear masks for that. Toasts, they actually let whoever was giving the toast not wear a mask. And then Ian and I were sitting at our table, so we didn't have to wear a mask for that, which was nice. Let's see. But then the rest of like regular dancing, you have to wear your mask, that sort of thing. If you get up, we had some desserts in there as well as our cake. And if you were getting up to get desserts or anything like that, you had to put the mask on. Yeah, I think that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's all it is. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It was a lot of on and off. (laughs) And how did you guys know? Were there people telling you, you know, everybody mask up, everybody take them off? Yeah, so for the rehearsal, when we did the rehearsal Sunday morning, our planner walked through the entire ceremony of when we can have masks on, when they have to be off, or sorry, when they have to be on and when we can take them (laughs) off. And then, yeah, kind of during the reception, they kind of just went with the flow so like I think the first person for the toast took their mask off um, and that was fine and I mean the DJ he was awesome he um, wiped down the microphone in between every person doing a toast which was great but yeah I think during the reception they definitely would come up to us if say we were dancing too close to like one of our friends and they'd be like oh you got to separate a little bit and then they had the DJ make a couple of announcements but I think like for the parent dance, my dad was actually wearing his mask and like from the side, you could see them going like, take it off. Like you don't have to wear it. (laughs) And then he like took it off like halfway through. But yeah, so during the reception, it was kind of just as it goes, they would just tell us. Whereas the ceremony we knew at the rehearsal. I see. Okay. And how did it work with getting ready photos? Because you weren't using Disney for your photography. We actually ended up using, my aunt does professional photography on the side, and she was staying in the two-bedroom villa that my parents were in, Um, so she just took a whole bunch of getting ready pictures for us, which was really nice. (laughs) Oh, that's great. So when you were planning, what were some of the most important aspects of the event where you focused your attention and your budget? You mentioned food. Yeah, so food and alcohol was a huge thing. So like I mentioned, food, we did all from around the parks. Alcohol, I would consider Ian and I to be um, amateur mixologists. We have a home bar and we like to make a lot of fun cocktails. So we had a very large uh, cocktail list. So that was very important to us. And then the other thing I would say was carriage, Cinderella's carriage super important to me. I had to have it. Um, And then the last thing I'd say was entertainment in general. So we did a Soren mix-in. We had, for the ceremony, we had a guitarist, 
which was supposed to be a cellist, but she had a family emergency, so she couldn't come. So instead, they subbed it out for a guitarist. We had the organist, and then Disney also gifted us a violinist, which was beautiful. Um, then we also spent money on the DJ, and then the last thing was a bagpiper. We had him for our staged exit. Uh, it was actually a surprise to Ian, and that was super important to me. <laughs> That's awesome. What did he play for your staged exit? He played Highland Cathedral, so it's a very kind of traditional uh, Scottish song played on the bagpipes, and that was actually the song that Ian walked into in our ceremony um, because he didn't know we were going to have a bagpiper, but that was with the organist and the guitarist and violinist playing it, and then later when we walked out, he played that, and then he also played, I think, Scotland the Brave um, when we were going around in the carriage. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So then which aspects were less important where you saved your money or your effort? Yeah, so I would loop this kind of into, in general, floral and decor. So things like personal flowers I didn't care for live flowers um like I mentioned before we got silk and that was just because I didn't want to have to then pay for you know a park shoot for them to like upgrade it for the park shoot or um like re retouch it for the park shoot I didn't want to have to pay for that and then I wanted to be able to take my flowers home and put it in like a little safekeeping box and also it's just way cheaper in general and then decor things so we didn't upgrade the table linens we didn't upgrade the chairs um, and then we did super minimal centerpieces our venues were just so pretty that we didn't really want much else because we didn't want to take away from the venues so just in general floral and decor were the most I guess the least important <laughs> to us <laughs> got it okay so what ended up being your favorite memory of the wedding day Oh, okay. So <laughs> other than the ceremony, which we both bawled through, um, <laughs> we <laughs> we had a choreographed dance. Uh, the, our first dance was choreographed, and it had two lifts in it. And the first lift just surprised the heck out of everyone. I don't think, like, I think everyone, or at least most of the people knew we had a choreographed dance. Um, but no one knew about the lifts. Um, and so we were so smooth going into the lift that everyone was like, oh, my God. And then I have to put in a second, my other one that kind of ties with it was Ian's face when he heard the bagpiper, like it, his face kind of just dropped and he was like, oh my God, it was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Did anything go wrong or just not turn out like you expected? Yeah. So a couple of things. <laughs> the biggest one that wasn't Disney's fault was my maid of honor wasn't able to come to the wedding. We were really hoping she would be able to, but she's a teacher, and they initially said to her, you know, if you take any time off for personal travel, you have to quarantine for 14 days, and you either have to have your kids have a substitute teacher or force them to go online. And she uh, she teaches young kind of kids on the special needs area, and so she just couldn't do that to them, which I completely understood. Um, but my brother, who is my man of honor, surprised me during his toast with a video of her doing her toast so yeah. I mean I immediately started crying <laughs> so it was awesome but things that happened during the wedding that kind of went wrong was one my bustle 
after the ceremony and before we did our staged exit, I got bustled because I had a very long train, cathedral length train. And it was just the, this was near picture point and it was just our planner and I think the assistant of our planner. And as much as they said, you know, we've done so many bustles, we know how to do it. They did not do it correctly. And it took them way longer than what it should have. My mom, I guess, was freaking out where she was because they took her, you know, across the bridge um, to the fountain area um, where we had the carriage. And she was saying, like, please let me go back there. But because of COVID, they weren't letting her. Um, And it ended up being messed up and they did it wrong. So uh, at the beginning of the reception part in the rotunda, they actually let us go in kind of a separate room where my mom and my brother's girlfriend undid my bustle and redid it because I could not have it messed up for our first dance. I would have tripped, <laughs> probably fall on my face. <laughs> but so yeah, that was a bit unfortunate. And then another one was, so we had three guests at our wedding that needed wheelchairs if they were walking any long distance. And um, everyone knew that. But when we got to the International Gateway for temperature check, they had to walk from backstage to onstage to where the temperature check and security was, and they didn't have wheelchairs for them there. They had them at the Rotunda and at Italy, but they didn't have them, and at Soren actually, but they didn't have them at the temperature check. And so that took them so long to get to the temperature check and back because they couldn't walk fast they were having back issues, all that kind of stuff. So that was very unfortunate. Um, and then because of both of those things that I just mentioned, we ended up only having 45 minutes to eat in Italy uh, before Soren. And that was just because, you know, you have to have the mix in at the end of the night. Um, but we told the planners and stuff when we were there, we're like, hey, is there any way we can just get like 15 more minutes to eat? Like really any time would be so much better. And they were able to call over to Soren and Soren was like, sure, you can come 15 minutes later. So I think everyone got a full hour to eat. That being said, the last thing that wasn't the greatest was I don't think they had enough servers. So we had a buffet in Italy where we mainly ate in the main Italy Azola, um, but then they had the buffet set up in Italy Azola West in the little area. So you had to kind of walk to see the buffet and the servers, they made it seem like you couldn't get up unless you were invited by the server to go and get food. Hmm. And like, as soon as we got there, they had Ian and I go and get food, but then they were super slow getting everyone else their food. And I think like 30 minutes in, there was still a table or two that hadn't gotten their food. And we're like, are you serious? And one of our flower girls, who's very big in, you know, when I'm hungry, I need to eat. Like she started having a meltdown. And I think the servers were like, oh man, like we need to, you know, hurry this up. And I think it it was just a lot of confusion about when people can get up to get seconds. And I mean, when people could get up initially, and I think they should have had more people there to kind of tell our guests what were happening what was happening but yeah I I think that was maybe a bit like a bit of a big list but um overall like it's not something that put a damper on our wedding it's just things that you know Disney possibly could have done better in letting us 
you know, letting my mom help me with my bustle and knowing that the wheelchairs were supposed to be there and that kind of stuff. Right. Okay. Was there anything that seemed like a big deal beforehand and then turned out not to be? The biggest thing, so I actually think I was pretty calm throughout the whole process of like planning the wedding. Um, The biggest thing I think I was upset about was not having fireworks. I mean, as a kid, I was dreaming of having my wedding in Disney and (laughs) the biggest thing I wanted was illuminations. (laughs) I wanted the illuminations fireworks at my wedding, but that wasn't going to happen even without COVID because they got rid of it. Um, So I think that helped a little bit with the fireworks, but I mean, honestly, I think our wedding was so magical that it's okay that we didn't have fireworks. Would I have liked it? Yeah. But I don't think it, you know, made our wedding less magical or anything like that. That's so great to hear. Is there anything you would have done differently knowing what you know now? Yeah. So going back to the issues, one, I would have put up a fight to allow my mother to come back and bustle my dress. (laughs) That was a big thing that I think I should have done. Um, Everything was just a rush that I forgot about it. And then I would have probably doubled and triple checked um, as soon as we got to talk to the bus drivers that the wheelchairs were there, that definitely both of those would have allowed us more time to eat. Cause I think otherwise there's nothing we could have done to make sure we had more time to eat. And then I, I keep saying as a joke um, <laughs> that, Oh, I would have pushed my wedding back one week because an exact week later, the Monday night after, they tested harmonious fireworks. <laughs> so I was like, dang it, if it was a week later, we would have gotten to see fireworks. <laughs> but oh, that's, that's a joke. I probably wouldn't have actually pushed it a week later because then you get into spring break and a lot more people showed up. So, <laughs> Right. Yeah, good point. So do you have any tips or advice for future Disney couples, especially couples who are planning to have larger weddings during COVID with all the restrictions and aren't sure if it's worth going through with it? Yeah, so I would definitely like the first thing I did with my husband was make a list of everything that we must have at our wedding. Um, And then with that, we made kind of a secondary list of what would we like at our wedding. And once we did that, we were kind of able to see, oh, okay, everything we really want at our wedding will be there. And so that really helped us decide. And of course, you know, normally I'd say, make sure you double, triple check your BEO, make sure everything's on there that you want. Um, I'm very OCD. So (laughs) I went through every single BEO multiple times, each version that we got. And then in general with COVID, I would definitely say try to be as patient and as nice to your planners as possible. Um, We had an amazing planner. Um, We had Pamela and she was the greatest. And I don't think we would have had such an amazing wedding without her. And I'd like to think I was pretty chill about uh, (laughs) COVID and all the changes. And especially I think in the last two weeks before our wedding, our ceremony time changed about five times Um, and that was just because of Epcot timing and the Soren mix-in and all that kind of stuff Um, and I was pretty laid back about it Um, the only time I wasn't I will say was with the final payment our BEO still had like fireworks and us paying for things that we knew weren't going to happen and so I was like emailing her on Friday I was like oh my god like I can't pay until I know the BEO is correct and all this and Uh, She got back on like Saturday or Sunday and she's like, don't worry, you're not going to be 
you know, uh, dinged. You're not going to owe more. You're not going to lose your spot. Um, like we're going to send you a new BEO on Monday and you'll get a new link for the final payment. Um, but other than that, I'd like to think I was super chill. Um, and I just, I knew that she had other brides. I knew that, you know, they're working with a skeleton crew. And I think as much as I'd like to think, you know, I'm the princess, I am the princess, but on my day, um, I think like leading up, you kind of have to realize that there are other princesses that are getting married. <laughs> uh, but uh, with that, I will say like Disney was great to us back. Just as some examples, they were super flexible with our timeline and our venues. Like I mentioned, we had 30 people and we still got to have our reception in the Rotunda. We got a violinist. They gifted us a violinist for our ceremony, which was beautiful. And then one of our little flower girls, uh, her dress was really bothering her after the wedding. And, you know, she was crying because it had lace and all that kind of stuff. And our planner went and bought her a full outfit from a Disney store in Epcot and gave it to her. And I mean, they didn't charge us for that. And it was so nice. And it's like, <sighs> what other venue would do that for you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Definitely. Well, Rachel, I think you've offered a ton of great tips for anyone who is interested in planning a wedding at Walt Disney World, especially in the time of COVID and with all the restrictions. So I appreciate your taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> That's our show for today. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward, inviting you to join me again next week for another episode of the Disney Wedding Podcast. In the meantime, send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show site, DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at fairytaleweddingsguide.com. Thank you.